This is the Brewed Up Apologetics podcast where we aim to look at and think about the world biblically through the lens of craft brewing. So grab your favorite sipper, whether that be a beer, coffee, kombucha, or soda, with me, Tyler Henry, as we begin to allow Jesus to redeem our culture and the world around us through sound biblical thinking and apologetics. Hey everybody, this is Tyler, and welcome back to the Brood of Apologetics podcast. And today we're going to be continuing our discussion on the resurrection and some of the events biologically that have gone on during Jesus' death and what happened on the cross, as well as what happened in the events leading up to it. So today we're going to, I'm going to recap a little bit what we talked about last time in the intro and dealing with a condition called hematohydrosis, and I'm also going to be reviewing and taking a look at this this new beer. I've never had anything from this company, but they are from Concord, North Carolina. We were just, my wife and I were just down in Concord visiting our friends Devin and Tim. So Devin and Tim, hey, how are you doing? Miss you guys. Um, but yeah, this one is called Reptar Juice. Tim picked this one out for me. And I was eyeing this one up in Total Wine mainly because it reminded me of my childhood. And Reptar, I was a big Rugrats fan, and Reptar was the big, scary um, uh, lizard, kind of like a Godzilla for them. And so this this beer is a it's a hazy hazy IPA that clocks in at roughly seven point two uh, percent and it's hopped with mosaic and citra during fermentation, and that's specifically just to get the 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 juicy and 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 citrus notes. They claim it's a hazy though, and I'm I'm actually very thrown off by by the appearance of it. It's got some really good head retention as well as um, disuniformity or non-uniformity in the in the head with the bu- the bubble size and if i were to just look at this in a normal pint glass and not an IPA glass i would just think it's an imperial IPA just because it's so dark it's not a not a typical like orange juicy type of look which is what i'm used to with hazy IPAs and um it i mean it's specifically branded as a a new england IPA not just a hazy and usually New England IPAs have a little bit more of like a juice tone to them when it, when you when you look at them. So this one this one should be really good. Um just on the on the nose. Um honestly reminds me a lot of the 60 minute that that we that I tasted last time. And so just based on that very very much looking forward to it. And it's really it's really cool. I'm I'm really liking the packaging on this one because they give you kind of like a breakdown on what to expect with it, where it's a little bit, they have a hoppy and malty scale. And 
this is a little bit more on the hoppy side, so it's about three quarters of the way towards towards the hoppy side, and then it's got more of like a full body from what they're from what they're claiming, as well as kind of a middle ground between light and dark. And I I would definitely definitely agree with that. And I thought this was kind of cool. There they have a taste where the range is yuck to yummy, and it's at full yummy. I would actually be very surprised if they put anything on a can or in a can that they said was just yuck. So, Slanchamites, and let, let's let's taste it. Um, like I said, it reminds me of the it reminds me of the sixty minute IPA, which I'm again, it's my favorite beer. So, let's let's take a sip and find out. Another si- uh, another sniff to get that in the palate, and then take a sip. Wow, that is interesting. Um, they definitely got the full with with body. They're they def- it's definitely on that full side. It sits very heavy in your mouth, um, almost like like a sugary type of sitting, where it kind of coats your mouth, and not in a bad way. But then at the same time, after you're done, after after it it all washes down the and that that part of it almost goes away, which is really, really odd. Um, they definitely have the this aromatic quality to it, which is great. And then, that's where a lot of the bitterness I think is coming from, is the scent. But on uh, the, the taste tasting notes, I mean, it's it's. I think it's a little bit more on the sweeter side personally, and I'm used to drinking, used to drinking Neutral, and I I love Neutral beer. It's it's kind of like a hometown homage, and they do some really good stuff. I love their darks, but this one kind of reminds me of of some of their stuff, where it's a little bit or of their uh, their doubles and their triple IPAs, where they're a little bit more on the sweeter side, but they punch a little bit harder with the hops, and that's what that's what I typically like. So I mean, just taking another sip, I'm gonna try to give you um some some. Some fruity, some fruity notes, and what what actually happens is what what's actually happening in my mouth. Okay, so I'm definitely getting like a almost like a mandarin orange out of it, where it's on that sweeter side, um, sweeter side like a mandarin, maybe a navel orange, and with like a hint of like grapefruit sourness and i i think that's a really good combination but it, it's just kind of throwing me off i i definitely would i would order this personally at at the brewery or if you're down in if you're down in uh, in charlotte if if they had it at at the charlotte beer garden which if you're if you're down there definitely check that out they had over 200 plus beers on tap on the first two floors and then the the third floor was 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 cocktails worth it the food was amazing if you're a, a beer connoisseur go there you won't be you won't be uh you won't you won't leave displeased with what you get um so yeah that was that it's really 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 good i mean i would i'd definitely get it again um and yeah so let's let's hop into let's hop into some of the 
what, uh, in, into a little bit of a recap of, of what we talked about last time. So we last time we talked and we just kind of give an intro to our methodology as well as 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 some of the uh, this this thing called hematohydrosis. And the methodology, the methodology part I think is is very important to re- continue to remind ourselves of and just to remember to try to stay neutral and don't let your your presuppositions control where you go. If the evidence clearly points one way, don't feel don't feel bad or that you're being dishonest or that you're betraying your perspective that you hold currently if if you just tend to start to lean a, a certain way. But remember as 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 we as you do stuff like this, when it's come when in terms of history, uh, theology, or even any anything really, politically, scientifically, morally, if there's evidence that what you're doing, and what you're what you're holding as a as a presupposed thing in your in your head, and after reading and doing research, you're starting to lean another way, it's okay. Because the biggest the biggest thing is following the evidence where it leads and making sure that that evidence is backed up and it is something that isn't completely illogical. So we can get into that later. That's that's a whole whole other topic um, in terms of where how do we go about discerning evidence and all of that all of that stuff and and the internal bias that we have we need to make sure that that's out in the open as well so you know let let's hop into this this whole hematohydrosis thing um so hematohydrosis is a a condition that's brought on by extreme stress and it's basically what happens is the the blood vessels around the sweat glands burst and the blood or the blood is absorbed by the sweat glands because it needs to be expelled from the body and voila you are you are sweating blood i mean that's that's just kind of like a lowdown on the whole thing so that's that that's just what happened in the in the garden now we're going to move to to after the trial um, so what, what we see in, in the trial of Jesus is that the, the Roman, the Roman authority, Pontius Pilate is, is the, is basically saying he, this guy's innocent. What, what do you want to do? He's under your jurisdiction. So whatever you want him to do in order to keep the peace, I, I am willing to, to follow through on that. And Matthew actually gives this this account, or I think it's Matthew. Don't quote me on that, but where he he washes his hands of in front in in front of the Jewish people, signifying my blood. This is this this case. I'm washing my hands of it. I am. This is this has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you guys. So that's that's kind of what's going on there. And after. The the Sanhedrin is is saying, crucify him, and they they incite the crowd, and again, to, in order to keep the peace, Pilate is like, okay, I, sure, I will, I will, I will concede that, and then 
the, the accounts in the Gospels say that he was led out to be, cruci- to be crucified. And what happens, what's, what's in this whole scope of, of crucifixion, biologically speaking? Now, I know I inserted a little bit of history there, and that's specifically just for context so we know where we're going. And there's, there's one part about crucifixion that is also mentioned in, in the Gospel accounts, and that is scourging. Sometimes it's, it's, to, uh, it's rendered to be whipped or to be beat. However, however your, your preferred version uh, translates it. What happens is that this, is all, this scourging is what it's typically called, is, is almost always a part of Roman crucifixion. And sometimes the, the people being scourged would die. And what what they would do in order to prep them for it was they would be stripped naked and they would be strung up on strung up on a vertical post that could be a could be a con or like a stone post or a wooden post and they'd be complete like I said completely naked and that they would be beat roughly but according to Jewish law thirty nine times and that that thirty nine times was was basically a a safeguard because you could not be you could not be whipped over forty times. So that thirty nine that thirty nine number was there just in case somebody made a miscount. So what 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 I want us to remember is that this was a Roman crucifixion, in that the the Jews were just letting the Romans do what they wanted to, and the Romans did not like Jesus because he was he was a political he was had some sort of political power. And there was a little bit of a threat there, so they they wanted to just beat the crap out of him. So there's really no there's really no definitive answer that I could give you, as far as I'm aware, to say that the Romans abided by the Jewish law and whipped Jesus 39 times. But that's that we're gonna go we're gonna go with that because that provides us the least amount of damage afflicted on Jesus. And if there's a le- the least amount of damage re- afflicted on Jesus, then that makes the crucifixion, the actual crucifying and being put on the cross, it may it makes the events happen on there happen on the cross a little bit more understandable. So, what what would happen during during a crucif or during a scourging? Um, so there was this thing called the Roman flagrum, and sometimes it's called the cat of nine tails. And basically what would happen was it, if you imagine your hand and hold out your hand in front of you and take a hold of your, your upper forearm, and that's, that's where the handle would be, and you would have nine different, they call them thongs, um, but they're just literally like, like strands of leather and rope that were, that were coming out of this, the base of this head. And out of the head of the of the flagrum, and they would all be at different lengths, and sometimes there'd be lead balls that were that were woven into it. And what the lead balls would do, it was they would they would hit so hard that it would cause very very deep bruising and and internal bleeding. And they would they would whip they would whip as hard as they could. Because they, they wanted to inflict as much pain as possible. That was part of, of the scourging. 
and they would they would do that and then they would rip down so they would they would go across across the the victim's body and then as they would as they would uh would as the the cat of nine tails would hit the body instead of just pulling up they would actually continue and follow through and drag everything across and drag the cat of nine tails across the the back and across the body inflicting as much damage as possible so like we said like i said there was the 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 lead balls that were that were woven in to cause the deep contusions which is a fancy word for bruising for those in the non-medical field and then on um, also woven in there sometimes were bits of iron or 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 glass or bone things that would that would cause lacerations and they were very sharp and what would happen there would be gashes and th- what would if you mix that on top of the of, of of the bruising because these these bone and glass and iron shards what they would do is they would cut deep because remember you're you're getting whipped as hard as as, as a roman soldier could could do and they were str- they were strong guys there, there was a reason that they were the the driving force in the ancient world is because they were good and they were strong men. They were good at what they did and they were strong. So these these glass shards, glass and bone shards. I'm just going to limit it to two. These these sharp objects they would they would cut in deep into the tissue. And they would put and then they, they could they could leave and, and and let out the blood that was that was being extruded by the internal organs that was caused by the lead balls. So not only were you bleeding because of being cut, but your internal bruising was also being allowed to let out. And for those of you that don't know, a bruise is basically a, a bursting of capillaries and, and smaller blood vessels that underneath the skin, and it's just a pooling of blood. So if you have a broken blood vessels that didn't have a chance to to pull pull together or anything like that you just kind of have like some open wounds in your chest cavity that are being torn open and that's just not good so basically after the 39 times the the victim the person being scourged would have bur- virtually no skin or flesh or anything left on on their back and i mean think think about it think about it there's you would have the you have bone you, there's not a whole lot of there is some muscle back there and we have to remember that jesus was a carpenter he was probably a pretty pretty well-built man in order to be able to swing a hammer all day and not get tired as well as all the walking he did bending down and playing with children on all of the things that he was doing for years. So there was, there was a lot to work through there. And imagine all of that being stripped away. And what was left was bone, some nerves, and maybe some even, even some internal organs. Like maybe, maybe one of his, one of his kidneys was showing. I'm not sure if you were, were like me. I'd made a few mistakes whenever I was in a in in middle school. Um, 
I would mess around with some people, and, like, my friends, we would, uh, we'd have fun with, with each other. We had these things called jumper cables, and basically it was just like getting punched in the kidney, where they would just take two, like, one or two fingers and just jab you right in the kidneys, and it hurts so much. So imagine something like that just whacking you with, with the Roman flagrum, the cat of nine tails, whacking you in the kidney repeatedly and quite possibly even a raw and an exposed kidney. And so there's, I mean, like I said, bone and nerve. So think about your spinal cord possibly showing or, or getting your, the, the sacrum or the, the coccyx. And and all of that being exposed because the coccyx is coccyx is where the the nerves end in your spinal cord, so imagine all of that just being exposed, and how much that would hurt and how debilitating that would be. So think about it. I I even though it's a it's a Hollywood movie, there's a whole lot of dramatization going to going to the movie. But the in the Passion of the Christ, now I. I love movies. It's it's something that that I will that I will do probably until I'm in I'm an old person and can't see anymore. But even then I'll probably still listen to movies. But there's something about them and one of those things is is in the, in the in the resurrection or not in the resurrection but in the passion of the Christ the um he ends up getting flipped over onto and so his stomach is exposed and like he would get hit in the face and sometimes i'm not saying that that didn't happen but the romans were so good at their job that they would uh they actually didn't need to flip them or hit them in the face or in the back of the legs or in the butt or anything like that they were they were good enough at their job to inflict as much pain as possible like i said granted some people already died from this and 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 so there some people have died from it just because of the pain um they passed out and just bled out totally possible jesus did not we know that because he ended up walking walking back and going to herod so all of this what what basically what 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 am i saying what i'm saying is that there was so much pain inflicted and there was so jesus had no flesh on his back left for for anybody to even recognize him from just looking at his back so he was basically indiscernible after this and i'm actually gonna just because of time um we're only we're not even 23 minutes into this thing so um we're actually just over 23 minutes but the i i I wanted to Add a little bit more to it, and, and go in a little bit to to the uh, to the mocking, at, which comes right after the scourging. And this also this happens in two different places. Sorry, three different places. It happens it happens partly at the cross. So we're, we'll get there and kind of in, incorporate some of the mocking into it. But it happens at Herod's palace, and it happens at in in Pontius Pilate's custody. So happens in Pilate's custody, it happens in Herod's custody, and then it happens again at the cross. 
So the most notable the most notable part is that that with the crown of thorns and and the robe. So and he was beaten by by a few different things. Now in it Pilate ends up sending Jesus to Herod because he was he's in Herod's jurisdiction. Jesus was already torn up and Herod's men ended up, you know, mocking him, calling uh calling him names and and just everything you can think of just making fun of him and trying to push him and make him feel as low as possible. And they would beat him. Um, they actually put a, a, a purple robe on him to signify the royalty, which is part of the mocking. And because he was he was claiming that his kingdom was not of this world. So they were they were taking that and saying, ha, but you're you're not Herod. But you say you're a king. Okay, how about having a purple robe? So they put a purple robe on him after being beaten and punched. And the this punching thing also happened at at the the, the with the Jewish authorities. So they were so the Jewish authorities and Roman authorities in Herod's custody were they would they would punch him because they were asking him to prophesy. And then this because they weren't able to prophesy or he wasn't able to prophesy who he didn't, he refused to prophesy. They 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 would punch him. So it was like, Hey, who's 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 gonna punch you next? And as they were already getting winding up to punch Jesus. So it, he could have easily said a name of who was gonna punch him, but he didn't. And mind you, he was blindfolded. So there was a whole lot of a whole lot of things going on, and now the the with the the crown of thorns and the robe. Now, there's a, there was a distance between Herod's custody and 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 Pilate's custody. So Jesus had this robe on and was transported back. So think if you think about it this way, it almost became like a, a skin graft, and the 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 robe basically fused to the skin and to the open wounds almost act or acting like a scab in in a skin a, a, like a makeshift skin as protection so the body was the body was adapting to what was around it and using the things surrounding it to protect itself and that just happens naturally that's what happens with a flap of skin if you cut yourself at a diagonal angle not only do you want to cut it but you want to leave that skin on there so then it can it can fuse back together and start the, the healing process. And that's what Jesus' body, human body, was doing with the robe. And then we see, and we're just going to stick with the robe for a second. We see that later on, the robe was, was taken off of him. And imagine, it, I mean, imagine it. It's not like, it's not like a, it's not like a, like a, a coat or a robe that you just like slide off your off your shoulders and it just falls to the ground. They had to tear it off because it started to scab and become part of the scab. It became part of and became fused with with the tissues. What what happens whenever you pull a scab off? You start to bleed again. So not only did Jesus lose so much blood during the scourging, 
but now any blood that he that he his body was was his his red blood cells were were creating or sorry his bone marrow was creating was now being let back out into the wild and in, into the open and in, into the outside of his body because the robe was torn off ouch oh my oh my gosh i can't even i can't even imagine what that would be like i mean i've torn i've torn scabs off i'm a, i'm a i'm a guy that's it's kind of just what we do um and quite frankly when i was a kid i mean grant still kind of now it's it's kind of cool to see how the body works so i've torn scabs off and i've made myself bleed again and this the the only thing is this was not voluntary and if it started to hurt too much, I could stop. But the Roman soldiers, they're like, we don't care. We don't care about you. We don't even want you. We don't even like you. So we're just going to rip it off. Unfortunately, it's not like a Band-Aid. It's, it's, more like, it's more like that scab that isn't ready to come off yet. So right there, Jesus is starting to, to bleed again. Now... One of the other things that that is very significant and very um, symbolic within the Christian community is, is the crown of thorns. We have a ton of th- uh, songs about it, and that if you if you were to give somebody and just have a crown of thorns laying around, and you said you said to somebody on the street, "Hey, who wore this?" Nine times out of ten, maybe even ten times out of ten, I I would buy you a beer if you were to. If you were able to do this and and get a different answer, I would say ten times out of ten, if you ask who wore the crown of thorns, they were they are going to say Jesus of Nazareth. You might label him differently. They might say Jesus Christ. They might say Jesus the Nazarene. They might say um, the son of Joseph. There's a whole bunch of different things that they could call him. But they're going to say, the G- they're going to be referencing the Jesus of the Bible. So, this crown of thorns, that was something that they twisted together, and they made a, a makeshift crown that was supposed to be an exact opposite of, of the floral and the, the greenery crown that Herod would wear. So, what they did then was because it wouldn't, it wouldn't just sit on his head, they took... They took the reeds and the, the like rods and they just kind of like pressed it into his head. Now, your head is extremely vascular. That like whenever you whenever you look at a, an infant's head, as soon as they come out of the womb, what what happened or what you see is there's a there's a big there's a big vein that actually sometimes they will that's what they'll tap into if they need to do an IV if their foot's not available. Or, um, but then you also see a whole bunch of like veins just kind of all along the side of all along the head and all along the scalp. So imagine all of all of this blood being circulated through your head and yeah, and your scalp in particular. Now you also have to remember that there is muscle on just underneath your scalp as well. That's where how you can. Raise your eyebrow. That's how you can wiggle your ears. So, not only are you tearing through veins and arteries and and just skin tissue, but you're also tearing into muscle, which also 
is is a there it's a vascular organ there's blood that just flows through 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 your muscles now those thorns were then being pushed into Jesus skull and Jesus head not so remember all of these all of these veins and arteries in the the skin and 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 this so basically in the scalp and in the muscles those are being broken and more blood is coming out so Jesus has already lost a ton a ton a ton of blood and then they gave him they gave him a a a rod as 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 the a symbol of the of the scepter of Caesar and because that was Caesar's they ended up taking taking it away and snatching it away from Jesus and beating him with it to signify you are no king this this is not your kingdom this is Caesar's kingdom and you will bow down nobody is greater than than Caesar and being beaten with your own scepter as a king i i can only imagine how much of a disgrace that would be so think think about all of that and i mean granted there's granted jesus was still human at he he had blood he had he had a body he had a will he had emotions he had a mind but he also he he was also divine so and i'm not going to go into the divinity of jesus uh that's for that's another topic but all of this all of this stuff happening biologically is something that is completely unfathomable to us in the 21st century we get all up in arms over over something like 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 genital mutilation that happens in the islamic culture and yet we don't bat an eye at, at easter whenever we hear this story over and over and over again i don't get it i never i i never have as soon as once i learned about what's what actually happened during during the crucifixion and and the the passion narrative i had a totally different perspective on on all of this like yes easter's a happy time because of the hope and and the theological significance of it but the biological significance of it is it's heartbreaking why why would anybody want to see or do that to somebody and be laughing about it like i i i i don't get it and that i think that just kind of pulls into our natural our natural inclination towards wanting the best for people which is why i think universalism and is is coming up and being so prevalent right now is because we're seeing all of these negative things surrounding our world and we're like but it's okay jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead so everybody's good he came for all people no matter what they did even though i would wholeheartedly agree there's more to the story and that's not but that's not what easter we're we're not supposed to be all happy and butterfly happy like happy and just our stomachs filled with butterflies in a in a good way on Easter the the days leading up to Easter Sunday and at least in the church calendar Easter Sunday that's 
it's a time for mourning. It's a time for not good emotions. And us in the Christian, us in, in, in the in the Western world, and especially America, we're like, we we in America excel at taking at taking something that is theologically good and and making it not just be theologically good but it feels good emotionally as well the the something like the the resurrection by all means make that the, make that theological good feel good as well but at the same time don't neglect what happened what happened beforehand don't be afraid to say Jesus suffered a lot Jesus was he was beaten bruised cut up dirt rolled in in every way imaginable what you would think of what you would think of now and 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 like i don't know falling down falling down and scraping your knee or what what whatever comes to mind in in in, in terms of pain think about that 100 and multiply that by 100 and that's what jesus was feeling while he was being scourged and mocked so next next time that we think about it Next time that we think about what's going on in America and how bad we seem to have it, I want to challenge you and and to to think about what Jesus was feeling for those that for those that are that are that consider themselves Christians that that call themselves Christians. Think about it. Think think about what you're actually what you're actually saying that you the hardships that you are that you are experiencing are. <clears throat> excuse me are greater than what Jesus went through and therefore because you what you went through is greater than than what Jesus went through that you get an automatic ticket to heaven it's like no that's not how it works and if if you use the word excruciating to to say that the the pain and the suffering that you're going through please use it in the right context i i would hope that you're being crucified at this point which, by the way, still happens today. It's just not nearly as prevalent, and it's not nearly as well documented. So, all of this, all of this should bring us to a, a point of so, uh, solidarity, really, to use a, a buzzword from, from 2020 and 2021. <laughs> This should bring us to a point of wanting to sit back, and I mean, we have a we have a beer in front of us, or I have a beer in front of me, and sitting back in my chair and thinking, <laughs> "Wow, that's what he went through." I'll raise a glass to that. I'll think like, "Wow," and be able to to sit in your emotions and 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 be a human and let your let your emotions just kind of come out i mean we in america we we tend to bottle up our emotions because we see it as unproductive and weak and that's exactly what we need to not do we need to be able to to freely express our emotions but in a safe and, and 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 healthy way so in when whenever we we see an atrocity happen, the first thing to do isn't to go out and and protest and riot, and destroy people's property, because then what 
what you're feeling, you are then making other people feel. And that's not what we should be doing. Like, we, we should not be... We should not be, be expressing our emotions in any way that we feel that we should. We should be expressing our emotions in a healthy way that is, is productive to people, but also might help other people work through theirs as well. And I'm not just saying that because I don't agree with the, the BLM protests and the, and the, the whole Chad uh, independent state that's happening in Seattle. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that because I don't agree with it. I'm saying that because there's no point to it. There's no reason to do that if you are truly fighting for something. You should never want to ex- inflict a pain on somebody else. If you take if you take what Jesus just to kind of bring it back all the way all the way to to what Jesus was experiencing up to the scourging and maybe even might as well just include the cross as well. What what Jesus was inflicting, or what Jesus had inflicted on him, his disciples, instead of instead of rioting and doing everything in their power to get an act of vengeance and an act of revenge out on the Romans, what they 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 didn't do that. They instead of doing that, what they did was they they went and hid because they were afraid that the same thing was going to happen to them. They didn't protest. They didn't riot. They were afraid for their lives. So, not saying that that was the best decision ever, um, because there was no real hostility towards towards them in in terms of the general populace. But we, there's, there's still a lesson there to be learned. Pain and suffering should be met with empathy, not revenge. If we meet pain and suffering with empathy and we sit down with them like, like, like Job's friends did when they first got there, everything would be so much better we would be able to process through our emotions in a in a healthier way we w- we would be able to process through the the atrocities that we see every day in this world and and say yeah we know that this happened let's let's go help them let's go and maybe that's not even maybe that's if if their their house was broken into and and they're like for me i have like three or four guitars here rather than or if if those if those guitars were stolen, rather than buying me another guitar, because that's not going to do me a whole lot of good, because I have some very deep personal connections with, with them, and they they hold some, some sort of value to me that's that goes beyond just a guitar. Rather than buying me a new one, even if it is the same one, rather than doing that, why don't you just sit down and 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 be be a shoulder that I can that I can cry on or an ear to listen as I, cause I'm a verbal processor. That's part of the reason why I wanted to start a podcast was so I can verbally process and, and do some learning myself rather than, or, or, or 
even just say, hey, I'm going, I just want, I, I know that this happened, but that's not all that there is going on in life. Let's go, let's go out and experience something else. Let's go, let's go on a hike. And, and if, if your, your state and your area allows you to, let's go on a hike and we're going to take a few beers and sit on the, the summit of a mountain looking over the valley and just pray and, and, and just revel in, in God's creation. Stuff like that does so much better and so much more than physical retaliation. So I know that that was, it seems like a big departure from, from what we are going through and what, what we're going through with, with the resurrection, with the scourging and the mocking specifically. It seems like it, but it, it, there is a connection there. Because the Pharisees, they were the ones that were being that that were being, for lack of a better term, hurt. They were being called out for their their stuff that they were doing that was not according to God's will. And because of that, they lashed out violently on on Jesus. But what do we see Jesus doing? Not not lashing out violently, but instead taking it and saying, "I have a." bigger plan than what you are able to understand and what you're willing and a bigger plan than what you're willing to understand so by all means do your worst that's what i came here to do and he knew it he was just waiting for the time to be right and for the, for the time to come and at this point the time came and he's getting ready to, to bear every cross. Bear every burden, every sin from the time of Adam to the time of the second coming. So do your worst. It's been a pleasure to to read and research this topic so that we can talk about this and, and just grow together. So remember, as we go from here, to stay thirsty for God's word and to be responsible in its use and in practice in our lives so that we can be better disciples and more effective in sharing our faith with the world around us.